All right, we're going to be in uh, in the book of Proverbs once again, looking at family matters, winding up this uh, this major theme before we move on to another. Uh, do a, just a little bit of review before we pray. Uh, last last week we talked about uh, primarily Proverbs chapter twenty, verse number seven, which I will read. Proverbs twenty, verse seven. The Bible says, "A just the just man walketh in his integrity." His children are blessed after him. And we saw also Proverbs 14, verse 26, which says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. And uh, we were looking at, at, in particular, the mentions in Proverbs, talking about the family now, the mentions in Proverbs in which the Lord, uh, the Lord mentions an inheritance, something passed down from parents to children. And of course, we saw, we looked at that in the physical sense, that is uh, wealth, money, land, that kind of thing, which is, of course, the primary thing Proverbs is referring to in the immediate context. But then there's also an indication in Proverbs about the spiritual inheritance, which, of course, to, to us, we understand is more important than, than any, any, uh, any physical thing we might pass down. However... Uh, sometimes I think you've, you've heard the, the phraseology where uh, someone might say, well, you're too spiritually minded to be any, any worldly good. Have you ever, has anybody ever heard that? And, um, of course, let me fix this so it doesn't blow right on me here. I'll put it right on Sister uh, Thomas. Just kidding, just kidding. But the idea is sometimes, sometimes we, we, we talk about the spiritual things, the spiritual inheritance and, and those kinds of things in these matters, and we forget that there is a physical component as well. And sometimes we use the spiritual as an excuse to forget about the physical. And uh, I remember one time my family and I were at a church and uh, in Oklahoma, we were, you know, we were traveling as missionaries and uh, we, we got to this church and the, the pastor and his family, they told us to meet at a certain time. It was like, I think it was 9 o'clock. My wife's probably sitting there thinking, no, it wasn't. It was 8.30 or whatever because she always remembers that kind of thing. But I think it was like 9 o'clock, and we we're going to meet for breakfast at their house at 9 o'clock. But they said, we'll call you, you know, when we're ready and that kind of thing. So we were all ready at 9 o'clock. And, I mean, it was like 10.30 or something. They called us, okay, you can come. And then we got there, they're like, oh, sorry, you know, we had to read our Bible, you know, no Bible, no breakfast. And it's like, well, then why did you schedule to meet us at nine? Why didn't you just, you know, in other words, in other words, uh, if you, if you want to do that, that's fine. That means you get, you're going to get up at 630 or whatever, do your Bible reading before nine o'clock. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it, sometimes we'll use the spiritual things as, as an excuse to, to ignore the physical. And, uh, and the spiritual inheritance is something that sometimes that can be applied to uh, where, you know, uh, there, of course, the spiritual things are, are of more important because they're eternal. And in other words, if you had to choose between the two, you ought to choose the spiritual. But, uh, but there, there is an aspect of the, of the wisdom, uh, the practical wisdom that comes with the, uh, the physical as well, which is what we, we, we talked about briefly um, we saw in Philippians 2.4, the Bible says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Thinking about our children. Not just living for our own benefit, for the ease of, our, of just ourselves and our own pleasure, but thinking about those that come after us. 
spiritually and physically. Then we looked at uh, Hezekiah, the example, uh, the very poor example of Hezekiah in uh, 2 Kings 20, verse 19. He says, in response to the prophet telling him that there would be judgment coming on Judah, he said, is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? <laughs> it's just only thinking about the here and now, right now, myself. You know, we think about our country. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's terrible to think how it's how we see it feels right sometimes feels kind of helpless right with all the the stuff that's going on in our country and yet that's what our kids have to look forward to you know it, it, you know if it persists and the lord doesn't send a revival which that's what we hope right we hope there's an awakening in our country and there has been there there have there have been awakenings throughout the the years but the idea is looking not only on our own things, but looking on the things of, of our children coming after us and preparing the way for them, because that, as we saw, will absolutely give them an advantage in this world, not just physically, including physically, but also spiritually, so that they start ahead of the game. They start ahead. But the, as we saw last week, the reverse is true as well. If, if we... If we bequeath, if we might use that term, if we pass on vices and sin and ungodliness to our children and, and bad habits and things like that, or debt, or the, in the physical realm, those things, well, they, they will have to reap that. And they'll, have to, they'll be starting in the negative, you know, to, to make their, to, to, to go in the right direction. So um, the point is, the principle is that parents should care not only for their own peace, security, and spiritual well-being, but also for those things in their children's future. In their children's future. Okay. All right, let's pray together. Our Father, thank you for the opportunity to look in your word. Thank you for those that are here in the class today. Lord, I pray for them that your blessing and grace will be upon them, that you would instruct them and teach them, as well as myself, Lord. I pray as well for... Sister McLean and her class and Sister Pam and her class and Priscilla and the little kids there. I pray for your blessing upon them and your uh, wisdom to them, your grace. Help, Lord, the, the classes to be profitable for the kids and it would really benefit them. And uh, Lord, I pray for our service today that your presence would truly be among us, that you would guide and you would help us uh, to be obedient to your voice. Lord, bless our, our, our Sunday school lesson here this morning. Lord, as we look in your word and we look at the truths of it, drive these things home to our hearts, Lord. Help us to examine ourselves and really uh, apply ourselves to the, the truths that we see. In Jesus' name we ask, <clears throat> amen. All right, so the last thing I said is kind of where I want to start from and just want to get to one, basically one point, and then we might have chance chance to get to the final thing I want to look at when it comes to family matters even though, even though it's brief, um, is this. I'll just read what I, what I had written uh, once again. The principle is that parents should care not only for their own peace, security, and spiritual well-being, but also for that in their children's future. And that when we care, here's the thing, when we care for our children, okay, so, so the, I don't want to lose you here because this is, so I don't want to get mixed up here. So 
the principle in Proverbs is that both in physical things and in spiritual things, we, don't, we do not need to be focused only upon ourselves and that which makes it easy on us, on, our, on ourselves. And the Bible says plainly that the parents, the children are not, not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Okay, so we're to care about their future. Uh, but, but parallel with that truth, parallel with that truth is another principle that is really uh, intermingled with that truth, and that is this, that when we care for our children, both now and when we prepare for them, both physically and spiritually in the future, do you know what the benefit of that is? There is a reciprocal effect. In other words, because we care for them, it comes back to help us. And you know what, that's, there's a lot of truth in that in a church, is there not? There's a lot of truth of that in a church. When we go into church, and, and that's what I'm going to talk about today, if the Lord is willing. When we go into church and we seek, as uh, I was talking to Brother Stewart before, before the service, you know, we come, to, come into church prepared, our heart, is, our heart is ready, and we go in with a desire to help, to encourage, to strengthen our brother and sister in Christ. You know what that does? It helps us. Now, we don't do it primarily for that, but that's the secondary effect of it. It comes around and helps us. And this is, this is true in many, many regards. It's true in many, in many different aspects of life. Concerning parents, this is a, a principle we're going to see, that when we take care of our kids and we teach them the ways of God and we do those things that allow us to pass on both a physical and a spiritual heritage to them, that gives them a head start, spiritually and physically, those things will also come redound to our own benefit. All right, let's look at the verses. Proverbs chapter 10, if you would. And this goes, as we saw with the previous, the idea of inheritance, it goes both ways, both in the negative and in the positive. And this is a major theme in Proverbs. This particular thing is repeated over and over and over in Proverbs. So I think it's, it's uh, of course, worthy of our consideration and, and what it said, not consideration, but our attention rather. Proverbs 10 and verse number one, look at what it says. The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Now, let me ask you a question. If your child turns out, if your child is wise, if your child is wise, the reason your child is wise is because you have and you, the parents have invested in that child. In other words, if you, just, if, you just, if you just let go of the steering wheel and let your child just drive where it drives, it's going to end up in a cornfield somewhere. 100% of the time. That's just the way it happens. The only exception being is if God intervenes and takes the wheel from that child. Because that does happen. In fact, uh, Brother Stewart is a good example of that, right? That he's given his testimony. My life is an example of that. Many of you did not come up in Christian families. That's an example of that, that God, even though our parents might have let go of the wheel or whatever, God intervened. And he righted that, that, that car, and so we ended up on the right track, right? But, but as a principle... If our children are going to be wise, it's going to be because of the godly parents' input. You know, that's, that's, that's the principle here. Now, listen to this. 
What I want to look at is the second part of the verse. But a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. So you think of the, you think of the product, all right? So we, we talked about giving a spiritual inheritance to our children, laying up a good foundation for them, and, and all of the teaching them. And Proverbs is full of that, first seven chapters, teaching them, training them. But we talked about the neglect of that allows the, ki- the kid's nature just to go on its own, let go of the wheel. And then what happens? The negative effect of that is not only felt by the child, but also by the parent. The heaviness of his mother. In other words, the mother is grieved. She carries a burden for that child that's wayward, that's foolish. And see, that's, we sometimes think of the child, and, and of course, that's a, uh, that's a, you know, the, the prodigal's son, which interestingly enough, the word prodigal doesn't mean wayward. The word prodigal means wasteful. The prodigal son, who was wasteful with that which his father had given him, as remember, as an inheritance, his inheritance, right? He wanted it early. He blew it, right? The father cared, no doubt cared about what, what was going on with the son, but do, do we often look at the father, the burden the father had to bear? You know, how many nights he wept over his son. And again, as going back to what Brother Burgess said last week, there's no indication in that particular story, and there's no indication in that particular story that the father did wrong. There's not. In the prodigal son, there's no indication. In fact, rather the opposite, because in that case, the father is in the story of the, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, right? In that case, the father represents God. Did God do anything wrong? So here's the thing. Even though, even though we, we, but, but the fact that you see a, 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 a wayward son in that case with a father who is faithful, that doesn't negate the truths of Proverbs. The exception does not negate the rule of Proverbs, the principle of Proverbs. But it also tells us that that does, <laughs> does happen. We don't have to look any further than our, than our own mirror to see our own waywardness and see how even though we have a perfect Savior, a perfect Lord, a perfect Father, that sometimes we are wayward, and that is the nature of man. Again, not negating the truth, you know, of, you know, well, forget it. Yeah, what are you going to say? I could spend it all. <laughs> so, so as, a, as a father, do I simply leave my inheritance to a son or a daughter who's not walking with God? I know the example there. Mm-hmm. And then they blow everything that has been given. And their life continues to spiral down. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I don't know of any, and this is just kind of an open discussion, but I don't know of any verse that places a duty upon the parents to give their, give their livelihood to their, to their children. Again, we're dealing in Proverbs, which are principles, right? This is the normal course of things. But if, if I had, a, if I, I'm just telling you, this is my principle. And again, I don't have scripture necessarily to back this up, but I'm just speaking, having dealt with a family member who is a drug addict, um, you know, I'm not, giving, I'm not giving him money. And if it was my son, he was not getting money. I mean, the only exception would be like if his life actually depended upon it or something like that. But, but I'm not giving him money, like under any circumstance. That's me. That's my own personal opinion. And I'm, you know, other members of my family have done differently. And you know, it's hard for me, it's hard for me to just knock that, you know. But generally, as a man, I'm I'm a pretty cold person when it comes to that kind of thing. And a lot of times ladies are not when they're dealing with their loved ones. So again, I, I have to I have to be careful. You have to be careful, you know, absent a scriptural, you know, a, a black and white verse. Were you going to say something? You know what? There's a lot of wisdom to be had from people that have, you know, godly, upright people who have had to walk through that. Especially when you don't have a verse that says this is how you deal with a drug addict. You know, there's no, there's no, no verse on that. So what you do is you take the, you, you, you know, as a principle, you take the experience of those that have had to deal with those tough questions. And sometimes they made the wrong choice. And they look at it, look back on it and they say, I, di- I didn't do the right thing. I thought I was doing, but I, I didn't. And so they give you advice in retrospect. And that's, is that not what Proverbs is all about? Well, of course, we know their advice is not the word of God, but you know what I'm saying. That's, that's, a, that's the principle in Proverbs. And so, and so you use wisdom of those that have had to walk through that, those times. And that's why we have a multitude of counselors and those kinds of things. And um, all right, let's, let's continue. Look at Proverbs 17. We're still very quickly trying to go through the negative verses that deal with this. And we'll just kind of rush through these. Proverbs 17, verse number 25 says this. Again, talking about the effect upon, your, upon the child and, and the result of the child's uh, being foolish and not following the Lord and how that comes back upon the parent. Verse number uh, 17, chapter 17, verse 25 says this. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. Look at chapter, um, let me turn my page here, chapter 19. Did I just read 19? Okay, look at chapter 19, verse number 13. A foolish son is the calamity of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. Now notice that calamity, calamity, a grievous disaster, right? An event, let's check your house burning down. 
you know, you think of a calamity, a tornado hitting your house. That's a calamity. You know, I was talking to my friend Tim Perry. Some of you know, have, have seen Brother Tim. And I was talking to him about two words that I absolutely hate preachers using because they misuse them and they overuse them. And it's the word, don't, don't, I'm looking at you, Brother Stewart. Don't start using these words because I'm saying this because he will. The word tremendous and the word thrilled. You know, th- those, are, those are intense words, are they not? S- Sister Lena, those are intense words. They're, they're intended to be used rarely. And yet everything's tremendous. Everything's tremendous. You come, we had a tremendous service, and it was just a norm. Well, I know you're lying now. I know you're lying because that word <laughs> wouldn't describe it. <laughs> like you come in, and you're like, you know, you're coming, you're like, glad to be here. And then you, somebody, oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, you don't look it. All right? Look, don't use the word thrilled unless you are doing something similar to riding a roller coaster, right? <laughs> It's a thrill ride, right? So we use these high, I was talking to him about it, and I, we use these high words, you know, these, these, these electric kind of words that are re- supposed to be really, really intense and rarely used, and you bring them down to common use, and it just basically means happy and good. And it's like you make them lose their meaning. I say that because of the word calamity. Calamity is not a misfortune. A calamity is a life-altering event. A calamity is your house getting blown over with a tornado. You see what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. That's, that's not something you use, you know, because you got a flat tire. That's not a calamity. Now, if you had a flat tire and you're, you, you wreck and your car rolls over five times and, you know, you're thrown out, that's a calamity. But having a, having a blown tire is not, or a, a leak in your tire is not a calamity. Now, here's the thing. Now, I know in, in our context especially with Brother Burgess's input, this is not going to be so, so much true in, in our Sunday school because we've had the benefit, if I can use that term, of, of, a, of a perspective that balances us out. But you know, there are a lot of people that just shrug off their children going away from God. That's true. Well, when I'm in my family, that's, well, that's what they say. Well, they just shrug it off, just like water off a duck's back. No big deal. No, 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 no. Verse 13 says, a foolish son is the calamity of his father. It is something to be grieved, to, to cause us to grieve. It is not a minor thing. I mean, that is, remember, all that we have that we leave in this world when we pass away is our children. That's it. Our goods are going to be spent. <laughs> and besides that, our goods, we don't leave our mark on our goods. The moment we pass away and those go through probate, another person's name is on them. It's not, like, not your house anymore. But your children, your DNA is in those kids. They are you. It is a big deal. We should not just shrug it off. You see, but here's the thing. When we shrug off, well, you know, well, they're, they're making their own choices. You know, you hear people say, when you shrug it off, the problem is when we do that, we demonstrate that what we're look, the way we view it now is not correct. Because we like, well, it doesn't really matter what I do here. And so it's, it's a sad situation. <laughs> Joseph. Joseph writes. See, this, this is the problem. 
People tune into the service and they want to write the pastor in the middle of the message and mess up his train of thought. But this is actually good. Pastor, he says, what a calamity it is that people are not more often thrilled by the tremendous, <laughs> tremendousness of God's goodness in their lives. <laughs> All right. Now, those are, those, are, those are good uses, you know. God's blessings are tremendous, even if we don't always feel like they are. They are. They are. All right. Thank you, Brother Joseph. I knew it would start if I said it. Verse 26, verse 26 of chapter 19. Look what it says. He that wasteth his father and chaseth away his mother is a son that causeth shame and bringeth reproach. Think about that, causing shame. You know what that tells us that causeth shame? There's an aspect, and some of you, some of you have, have talked to people like this. I, I have. When the moment it is known that their child is like this is describing foolish, there is a sense of shame that comes over that person. And we've already discussed that. There is a, a sense of shame that that person feels because, you know, and then the reverse is also true because when your child follows God, there's a sense of pride. Right? But in either case, there should not be a, a numbness or a dullness about it, where it's just like, well, you know. Chapter 28, if you would look at that. Verse number 7. Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. That's what I was saying earlier. A child might say, remember it says, shameth his father. A child might say, I don't care what my father thinks or what other people think. You know, that's the going thing. I don't care what other people think. And then they're on like, they're on like, be real, like posting, you know, you got be real. Does anybody know what be real is? Not a soul. Be real. So be real is an app. And what it does is it takes, it's, it's a social media app and it alerts you. And it sends an alert to your phone. And in that alert, you have two minutes to take a, a photograph of yourself in that moment. And it not only takes a, a selfie photograph, it takes a picture of it. So if you hold your phone like this, it'll take a picture of you and whatever the phone is pointing at. And you have two minutes to do it. It's supposed to be real. That's why it's called Be Real. <laughs> Here's the thing. Is that, did I describe it right? That's what it is. But see, that kind of thing is, well, look, I don't care. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what people think about me. But social media, and, and I'm not against social media. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against social media. But the aspect of it where there's this facade of realness, it's not real. You know, it's not real. Like, they don't really look like that. Like, no, nobody is always that happy. I'm sorry. No matter how many times they use the word thrilled. <laughs> so children say, I don't really, I don't care what anybody, th I don't care what my father, th I don't care what my mom think about this. You know what that is? That is the exact problem of a foolish child. Because the verse says, look what the verse says in verse 7. 28 verse 7. But he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. You see, what he is doing is affecting his parents. And the fact that he doesn't care doesn't bother him. You see, that's the problem. That's the characteristic. That his conduct 
affects or weighs upon his parents and he doesn't care. Shame. I mentioned shame earlier. Here's what this means. The painful emotion arising from the consciousness of something dishonoring, ridiculous, or indecorous in one's own conduct or circumstance, or in this case, in another's conduct. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe the attitude was passed on to, to the ch- to the child. You know, that, and that listen, we don't live. None of us live on an island. And so, when we teach our kids, we shouldn't teach our kids. Of, of course, there's a. All of these things have an element of truth to them, right? You can't teach your kids to only do what everybody else approves of, right? That's obvious. You know, you can't. Well, you believe in Christ and you follow the Lord. You know, as long as everybody's okay with it, you can't do that. Of course. Of course, as with everything, there's a ditch on both sides of the road, right? So we'll try to stay on the road. But the reverse is also, the other ditch is also something you got to avoid, which is, is this idea, well, you just don't care what anybody thinks. That is not right. That is not right. And that goes back to our lesson last week, which is that is the, the attitude in the parent that says, I don't care about my kid's future. Well, that's not right. It does matter how our conduct affects others Amen. for parents to the children and children to the parents. We should care. We should care. We should care about how our conduct affects our, our, our church. You say, well, my conduct didn't affect church. Wrong. Wrong. Your spiritual state and my spiritual state, when we walk through that door to come in to be among God's people, affects everyone else. It contributes or detracts from the body. It's just, it's just a fact. It's just a fact. And it is a biblical fact. This is not something I pull out of thin air. All right. Proverbs 10, verse 1. We won't read that again, but look at chapter 15. Proverbs 10, verse 1, the beginning of it. I'll just read it just to cover it again. Uh, a wise son maketh a glad father. So now we're looking at the positive side. When your child is following the Lord, there's gladness as an adult now, as an adult. When you see the good fruit of it, it makes my heart happy when I see my children making good decisions and wanting to follow God. That makes me happy. In fact, there are a few things that make a parent more happy than that. Because you know that's permanent. That's that's lasting. and, And again, we talk about shame. That's the opposite of shame. That's the reverse of shame, the positive, that that reflects upon the parents in some way. All right, 15 verse 20, look at what it says. I'm looking at 14, here we go. 15 verse 20. A wise son maketh the glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. That's basically almost exactly what I read before. Look at 23 verse 15. Look what the the father says to his son in verse 15. My son, now this is so intimate, so personal. Look at what it says. Proverbs 23, 15. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Look, here's what I want you to see from this. You know, sometimes sometimes we project 
the attitudes and tones when we read verses of Scripture, you know, like when you get into the verses about, you know, correct thy child and, you know, let, you know, spare not for his crying and those kind of, we, we get this idea that there's a certain, a certain meanness or whatever, you know, and, and not everybody thinks this way, but this is the way I look at it, okay? But when I see this, I don't, I see a tenderness. I see a, a, an intimacy with your child. And it's like, listen, if you do the right thing, it will, it will make my heart rejoice. That's, you're, you know what you're doing? You're being transparent and open with your child. And you're letting the child know that what they do affects the parent. And you know what? That, and you say, well, that's manipulative. No, it's not. It's true. Amen. Something that's true is not manipulative. You're, not try, you're trying to remind them that the reality is that what you do affects other people, including your parents. And so that becomes one of the several motivators that motivates your child to do right is knowing that their, their parents approve and are gladdened by that. Does that affect the choices you make? She nods. <laughs> Josh gives me a thumbs up. I, I don't know. Of course, that can't, listen, that can't be the only factor. But, you know, you talk about a multifold cord, that this is a cord that has a lot of strands. And when you're talking about the cord that's going to lead somebody to follow God, pull somebody to follow God, that's one of the cords. That's one of the cords. So you say, well, I want to I wanna please and honor my parents. Okay, that's one way to do it. Look at 27, verse 11. My son, again, this intimacy, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him that reproacheth me. <laughs> I, 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 could, I, I understand this keenly because, you know, especially, and I, I had actually written down a bunch of verses that are the final section about family matters, which is the idea of correction, correcting one's child. Maybe we'll cover that next week. But that correction was one thing that I was uh, my that that my wife and I were reproached a lot about. People would reproach us, even by people like like in our family, they would reproach us as as a result of that. And but but it, like it says here in verse number eleven, that I may answer him that reproacheth me. In other words, the benefit of that speak for itself. You see what I'm saying? That's what it's saying. Chapter 29, verse 17, to close. Correct thy son. Notice, we're going in now, it's just by chance, these two, these two truths merge, the benefit upon the parent with correction. Notice, correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. See that? He shall, that's future, right? So by correction... By correctly applied discipline, the benefit comes back to the parent. You see that? It's not just on the child. It comes back to the parent. It gives us rest. You say, man, it's hard work. Chase after these little kids. Sadly, you're about what you know to be true intellectually, you're about to find out in practice, right? You guys know that. I'm not, I'm not trying to be condescending. That's just, just the way it is, right? But the benefit of that is that what is hard now will make it easy later. Amen. You see, that's the benefit. And that's, that's what we found. You know, it's, it's hard to chase around three-year-olds. 
when they're screaming and they don't want to eat their carrots and it becomes a two hour long ordeal and got the t-shirt. Okay. I got the t-shirt, but the benefits, you know, but notice how it came back to me, not just on our children, it come back to me. So what you do as a parent affects your children, but it also affects yourself. So, and from a child's perspective, the question ought to be asked is, do I love my parents? Right? Because if what I do affects them, should I not act in love? That's a facet we don't often look at, right? Our children's joy and pain is our joy and pain, right? Let's pray together.